This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus and Alan, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Okay, so here we are at the Brackendale Art Gallery, kicking off another Sea to Sky podcast, and we are joined by owners and proprietors, Dorothy and Tor Frozlov. Did I pronounce that wrong? Froslev. I've been pronouncing it wrong all these years. Well, it's the first time I've ever been corrected. Okay, so, and the issue of the day is, how do we save the bag? So I'm gonna go straight to, well, whoever wants to jump in, how do we save the bag? Well, that's a really good question. And this is? Ihor Zalubniak, and I've been a, in and out of the valley since 1974. I used to come here when, when Tor was, well, that part of the gallery didn't even exist at that point. It was just the main building, and this was a focal point in Brackendale for arts, for entertainment. You can come here on a Friday night and have dinner. So, But in that time, from 1974 till now, this place has become, it's like, it's, it's a heritage institution. It's a cultural institution here in, in Brackendale, and it serves Squamish so well. And of course, what we're dealing with is the fact that Tor and Doherty are now talking about retirement and moving on, and the gallery's been up for sale for a while. So what do we do? It could go to a private enterpriser, and he could do whatever he wants with it. Um, it could go to the hands of a foundation, who then turn around and um, authorize people to run it on behalf of the foundation and to, to preserve its character and the nature of the place. The fact that it's basically, as Tor always refers to it, as a privately owned community center. I mean, where else can you go for 20 bucks and hear the kind of music that we get here? It's been, and it's been that way forever. Okay, so Tor or Doherty, if you could wave a magic wand and have whatever you want happen to the Brackendale Art Gallery, what would it be? What would be your ideal solution? Well, as Eeyore was saying, um, we would really, really like it to be a public amenity, however that might happen. If we sell it privately, it's n never the end of the story. And eventually, I picture, you know, you can sell it to a private entity and eventually it'll sit here empty and derelict. If it becomes a public amenity, it could be here for many, many, many years. And I was just thinking today as I was out walking that, you know, under somebody's proper stewardship, somebody who could afford and had the energy to do the things that need to be done to fix it up and bring it up to um, a more conventional standard, let's say, um, it, it would last for years and years and years and continue to serve the community. Right. And, you know, when you have it up for sale, you have to name a price. To have that happen, it would be available at a lot lower price. Right. Okay. So let's go to Kathy Daniels of the Between Shifts Theater Company. So tell us why we we always hear we've got to save the Brackendale Art Gallery. It's got to be a it's got to be a community a, a community arts center. But speaking of someone that's involved with performing arts, why do we need this sort of infrastructure? Because because <laughs> because uh, we only have really one other performance space in town, which is the Eagle Eye Theater, which is attached to the high school. And there are certain accessibility problems with that particular space. Um, and what we have there is a more conventional theater space. What we have here at the bag is 
something extremely original. Everybody says when they come in here, oh my God, the atmosphere, like the, the, just the whole sort of vibe of the place is completely different from being in this very um, more formalized theater, theatrical environment. We have put on all different kinds of shows here too. We have put on like small little one acts here, which you, have, I believe, have been involved in. And we've also done the chair series here. We've even used like the whole space for when we did um, Christmas Carol here. We used all different areas as a stage and people were in the center and it was sort of like a theater in the round if you will and there's like great stories that happened uh, when we were doing this when we did the princess bride we weren't supposed to we didn't know we actually got shut down by new york but when we did the princess bride it was so popular and it jammed out every night and the story goes that at the same time they were shooting twilight the twilight series up here and some of the cast members came here but we were too full and they were turned away at the door oh wow so, yeah. wow that's incredible well that's the myth anyway but for us it's like another space where we can do really different kind of work and that isn't available anywhere else in squamish Right, right. And I can have my own personal anecdote about the Bracken Dark Hours. I remember one summer evening, I had just come down from hiking the Chief with my girlfriend at the time, and we were sort of looking for something to do on a beautiful summer night. We, we moseyed on down to Brackendale, and you had opera. You had opera pro cantina playing here, and we were thinking, you know, here we are in Squamish, and you can be up hiking the Chief in the afternoon in in the afternoon and be in Brackendale listening to opera in the evening and i think that's pretty incredible however having said that there are people out there who shall remain nameless who feel that if it's not commercial commercially sustainable then why should we subsidize it does anyone want to jump in carolyn do you want to get in on this one well i do want to say something but it, it wasn't in re I did want to say something, but not. It wasn't in response to the question you just asked. Um, I just you asked why we're here and who we are, and I thought it would be important to state that because there are a lot of people in Squamish, um, especially us, who who really um, want to see the Brackendale Art Gallery um, continue. We were we were trying to decide how to go about that, and so what we concluded was that we should. Um, sort of revitalize this the society that has existed for many years it's the brackendale art gallery theater tea house society and it's been around for a long time otherwise and known as bag it <laughs> <laughs> oh at least we're tossing that one around <laughs> um so the people that are sitting at the table today are a few of the board members of that society and so we've started to meet on a regular basis, and our intention is to uh, to do what we can to save the bag. So. And what are you doing? Okay, I'm going to let somebody else answer that. <laughs> well, again, it, the the issue is is that we don't have any firm direction as to where the ownership will be in two five two to five years. I mean, it could be a private owner. It could be. Um, a foundation, as I said before, but what we're trying to do is we're 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 trying to be like the the troops on the ground that are going to make the place work, and that we can offer our services to anybody who decides, yeah, I want to make a go of this. Well, we're going we've got a business plan we're working on. We've got um, the, the history of of the bag to to review and to figure out how we can continue the types of entertainment and services that have been provided. I mean, this place is so much more than just a theater. Uh, you know where you can you can come and see a numerous uh, acts uh, musicians from from the city that come up. I mean, Valdi is a regular here. He 
probably has his own mug in the kitchen. But people like that, they they come. And but we've been more than that. I mean, we've been we've been a meeting. If you have a meeting that you need to stage with a group of people, you can come to the bag, sit in the corner here, and have eight or ten people together and have a cup of coffee and have your meeting. And if you're, uh, uh, we've got uh, upstairs. There's a studio. Uh, that there's art classes that go on. I mean, uh, this was the original home of the Brackendale Eagle Count. But coming back to your original question, what we're trying to do is to make sure that in our in our fondest dreams, that there will be an organization of some nature that will take control of the gallery and allow it to continue or encourage it to continue to be what it is. We've looked at models like the Vancouver East Cultural Center, the Cult. Uh, we've looked at um, oh, there's a couple more in the city like well, uh, when, like the when we talked when we talked the other day, you were talking about perhaps finding a developer and having the developer buy it as part of an amenity package and selling it to the district for a dollar, and then the district would would administer it. Doris shaking his head at that's that. That's one of the options, but I mean, there there it could be a developer. It could be if we're in the process of looking into how we develop a foundation. Um, maybe there'll be some sort of a subscription process. People will buy in through that, and that'll allow the foundation to um, basically purchase the, the facility and then turn it over. Like I said, like the Kulch, you know, Vancouver City owns it, and uh, they turned it over to the society for like a buck a year and waive the taxes. Hey, it's a great facility, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so... Why not here in Squamish? Why, why not here in Brackendale? You know, I mean, this place has been around. It's a, it's a center of, of activity and culture. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and people say, well, what kind of culture? Well, there's everything that happens here. I mean, and, you know, everybody around this table knows that the, you mentioned the opera and there are, there's bluegrass and there's all kinds of stuff. Right, right. Okay, well, the earlier tour, he was just shaking his head. You are, you are the, the founder of... The Brackendale Art Gallery. So let's hear your opinion. What ideally, as I asked earlier, uh, and Dorothy answered, but let's hear it. Let's hear it from you. If if we could, if if a fairy could wave a magic wand and give you what you want, what would you want? He'd he'd wish he was thirty-five and could do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it all over again. Sure. No, okay. I I think uh, Ehor has the answer to that, and already answered it, and I agree with him. Right. Okay. But just so some of the people, you know, the problem, don't put the microphone down. The tour is notoriously uh, reluctant to do media, but we're, we're going to force them to do it because we're all here about. You're not forcing me to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're not forcing him. We're asking him nicely to comment. Now, for a lot of people that are new to Squamish and maybe not aware that this is even here, and the legacy they may they may lose. Can we just get just get a quick background on why you drove up to Brackendale and created the Brackendale Art Gallery in the first place? Well, in uh, 1969, uh, October, I was fishing up at uh, Cornell at uh, Dragon Lake with Jack Quintel, who was who's uh, who was a very well known fisherman and author and businessman so uh, so I I mean I know I don't I don't know uh, for the record Doherty's making the the, the, the know, hurry up always, motion but. but but I'm an old man I'm 85 you gotta take time if you don't like the time <laughs> I'm not doing it that's all so I've uh, fishing with Jack and uh, and I said uh, 
where should I put this dream of mine? Because I'm a fly fishing and I, and he said, it doesn't matter where you put it. As long as you do a good job, they'll find you. Well, up until then, I've heard of something about location, location, didn't pay much attention to it, but it, it made sense. So the following months of November, I'm fishing coho with my fishing partner, Gary Weir, another longshoreman. And he said, I'm sick and tired of you spotting all for, this, for the last three years. What are you going to do? When are you going to shut and get off the pot? So I said, well, after Jan Control, I could do it right here. So we packed up our first gear. We went to the Alpine Cafe at um, pumpkin pie with ice cream and whipping cream. <laughs> and I take a bite and I look out the window and it said half an hour commercial property for sale. So when are you going to see it off the pot? And the rest is history. So, uh, that's right. And in the intervening decades, you've had many great artists come here to perform, to sing. You've had various bands. You've had people that have gone on to the BC Hall of Fame. And what, and I'm, this is open to the entire table, what going forward, how can we keep that going? I mean, I don't just mean funding, funding the Brackendale Art Gallery. I mean, how can we get people coming in here and what are the sorts of acts? I mean, what do you foresee as the performing arts that are going to be popular here and how we're going to bring people out here and go, you you look like you want to jump in Dorothy. go ahead yeah, I didn't mean to mind. oh <laughs> well, <laughs> Kathy you want to jump in well I could jump in and I'll let you go after me uh um, one of the things that we see is that um, we, we should also mention that the visual arts are really huge here as well. Uh, one of the first jobs I had here when I got here in 1970, um, I worked here at the Brackendale Art Gallery and I served food and coffee and wine. We cataloged the art. We had big art shows. We had big parties for um, some of the artists and we'd have these big evenings where we'd sell art and we have belly dancers. We had all kinds of things going on. We've had a really colorful history and I think one of the ways to uh, encourage people and to um, motivate people to come and use a center like this would be to offer services such as more classes in various types of art, in performing arts, in visual arts, that kind of thing. I see this as also being an area where you could do art classes of various types. I still think we should continue with the artist in residence, those kind of programs as well. And maybe we could um, expand our programming not to just be on weekends all the time but to be during the week and I think that way we would bring in a lot more people as well and and performers would have a longer run to do shows and uh, the schools would be open in the evenings for people to attend and I think that could be really really helpful for the uh, community well I see people down in the business park there's uh, a couple of craft breweries that have opened and they seem to have taken a page out of Tor's book they just sort of thought it up and they opened it in just any old location, any location they could afford. And they're doing very well and good for them. But maybe there has to be something to bring in a younger crowd. Maybe there a has craft to be brewery here. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm I'm throwing out ideas. Tours I'm not sure what he's doing. Is he are you against that tour or no. are you for anything that works? The well I I've been doing this for f over 40 years, and I can't do any better than I do. And you talk about sustainability, we are paid the taxes, we are up to deal with everything. It is doing it. 
It's just a matter of keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's uh, so many uh, options for for like musicians. I mean, they get calls here all the time. We want to come and play the gallery. We want to play the gallery. And the thing that that they have to realize is that they've got to have a following. It's it's not. There are people who want to play the gallery simply because it's a really cool place to play. But they also have to have a following that is going to come and enjoy join them. When Valdi comes in, this place is packed out. When Sherry Ulrich comes in, this place is packed out. When the Beach or Beach Boys, <laughs> Paper Boys, come in, it's packed out. There's never that will a be sold out this weekend. Yeah, absolutely, it will be this sold weekend. out. It, it so we, there's not a problem of finding audiences. The audience is there. It's finding the right music blend to put in front of them. When Norm Foot comes in here, this place is full of kids. You know, because people know them and, and, it, and they have a good time. So there's going to be a transition because some of those folks that came to play regularly, like Valdi, came because Tor was here and because of a long history with like the Eagle uh, count. And, but if we succeed in finding some sort of an organization under which we can operate the bag, we're going to have to look at all kinds of options for, for what kind of performances are put on here. Maybe some more of this one, you know, one acts. If if we put 150 people in here, then we put 100. That's what we're looking for, and that'll make it work. And if we can do that three times a month, then that's even better. I mean, I don't know if all the venues in Vancouver do it that well. Well, what, what about every week? We, did you see this being a place that could hold a, an event every week? Well, for for the first part, you you talked a little bit earlier about you know. Um, people wanting a place to make money in order to exist. I don't think there are very many art spaces in the world that make money. I don't think the K-Meek makes money. I don't think the Kulch makes money. I don't think Presentation House makes money. I don't think any of those places make money. They are subsidized either by fundraising with their foundation or from the district that they're in. Uh, This place is subsidized by um, a teacher's pension and a longshoreman's pension and uh, our tenants, let's call them. Um, Without that, we couldn't do what we're doing as a business. But part of that is because, you know, I'm 68, Tor's 85. Our energies are somewhat limited. And, you know, when you put a, a group of people in here who have energy and connections and and uh, sufficient financial backing to do what they need to do, you, you can have a lot of things happening here. I look at the K-Meet calendar that comes to me all the time, and they have two kinds of events. One is the kind of events that they put on themselves. So they are in charge of the whole production. And then there's the people that come in and pay to use their facility. And though, though that is a balance, I think, that we don't have here because we only have what Tor books. And he books the people that he loves and, and knows, and he knows that we'll sell tickets. We do get solicited all the time for people who want to come and play here. And I often say to them, you can rent the place, but very few people do that. And I, I have to tell them, you know, we don't have a dedicated audience like a cafe or a pub or a bar has that that are here to be your audience do you have to bring that audience in right right and and thank you for that i think you brought up a lot of good points in that you do have 
subsidized this through your own incomes. And you're right. There is no. We also live here very happily. Yes. <laughs> it is our home. Yeah. And you're lucky to have that. Very few people have that. And that's becoming a diminutive. But that's a whole other story that we've already covered. But the there is no municipality, large or small, anywhere in the world that doesn't subsidize the arts to some extent. And I have to say, despite the fact that Squamish seems to be incredibly art rich, both visually and in the performing arts, there doesn't seem to be a lot of support for it. Does anyone want to jump in and take that, Kathy? Oh my God, I have sat on so many committees. Um, yeah, it's it's funny that way. It just seems to be that way. We, you're right. At one point, I was so angry because the federal government came out with a study that said that uh, there were more art, artists per capita in Squamish than anywhere else in the country. And I went, oh my God, they must be the poorest artists, though, because you're right. There's hardly <laughs> any support or recognition. There's no uh, mechanized mechanism to do that here. And um, some people like ourselves between shifts theater we often find that we have more uh, recognition and appreciation outside of our own municipality so i guess there's a sort of a mindset it's uh it's how much the the towns themselves value art and where they you know where they place art i think you would have uh there seems to me and perhaps this is my bias set of mind. And believe me, like I love sports and I love the outdoors. I'm a fitness instructor. I've been doing it for years. So don't tell me that I'm like totally biased that way. But I think it's easier to find funding and um, a lot more backing for things that have something to do with, you know, us being the outdoor rec capital of the world or whatever. Whereas trying to be an, uh, an artist here is just not valued for some reason. And it's something to do with the culture here. And it's something that needs to be changed because there's so many young people here who are dying to be in the arts, all of the arts, all of the disciplines. There's so many talented young people and we need to give them a voice and we need to give them a venue and a place where they can enhance and, and get inspired and grow in their artistic achievements. Right, and I guess that that's why I bring up you know, I brought up earlier about having more programming because I don't think, you know, the new the newcomers to town haven't discovered yet. Carolyn, what did, you want to jump in? Well, I just wanted to jump in on on what Kathy was saying. Um, just back up for just a second. Um, in 2007 and eight, I was the festival coordinator for the Wild at Art Festival, and um, that festival was intended um, to showcase Squamish during the Olympics. That was the purpose of it. And it was started by the District of Squamish. They actually assigned one of their council members to, to oversee the whole thing. It started in 2004 and it carried on. Um, when I took it over, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it was originally just a two-day festival, and we built it up to a 10-day festival, and suddenly everybody knew what it was, and they knew all about it, and people still talk about the Wild at Art Festival today. But it was done virtually entirely by volunteers. The only support there was was a very small... Um, contribution by the district each year and then we we had to go out and find sponsors in order to to cover the expenses so all of the organization nobody was virtually nobody was paid and um so when when i stepped down they they didn't fill my spot and the whole festival basically just kind of petered out and it did happen during the olympics but it was on such a smaller scale that it 
wasn't even noticed. And then our intention as we were going along in those two years was to maintain that festival, to have an ongoing annual Wild at Art Festival. We were going to change it from February to May because it was a little cold in February. Right. But originally, it was, it was to be a part of the cultural Olympics. Olympics, yeah. Right. But it, the intention was to continue it and to have it ongoing. And it just, as you say, or, you know, petered out. And, and, but there is that desire, but there is no funding. So that's what we need is the financial support because there, there really is the desire here. Okay, and there yeah. you go. We, we come back to money, um, unfortunately. It seems to be the, always be the answer. But actually, you, 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 know, you brought up a point. I don't know if you caught it on mic, uh, the political will, because that's actually part of the issue because it seems that the district want to put things down at the oceanfront. They want to put an arts community center down at the oceanfront. Uh, well, you could back into that question by saying, where does the where does the district want to have all of their housing built? And that's the two, the waterfront and the uh, and the next. And you know, that's that's going to be some something in the vicinity of three thousand units. And to provide amenities in that area is part of that agenda. Now, the the thing about it is, is that there's a whole bunch of people that live north of the Mamquam. Yeah, and, and also, we're looking and we're looking for stuff to do in this part of town where we don't go downtown. I mean, it, it it it's an interesting contradiction that they say, well, you know, get out of your car or walk to walk to your things that you're going to do. Well, it's kind of hard when you live in Brackendale to walk downtown. <laughs> so we need to have something like that. We need to have a center up here that serves culture. You know, you can go anywhere in town here and you can find a soccer field. You can go anywhere. Well, you can't go anywhere in town and find a pool, but there's a huge pool. You can go down to the, the the rinks that are there. I mean, Maple Ridge just ran a referendum and and got the authority to create $49 million worth of debt to to upgrade amenities and services. Now, they're a larger population base than we are, but by the same token, they're in, they have an arts theater and an arts center there that and it's called the act which is it's it's professional grade i mean it's got a, a, a vault for uh, drops and all of that kind of stuff it's got a green room it's an amazing facility but they went to the community and they went to the developers and said let's make this happen and it was outside the sort of the 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 the, the process of which normal development happens in the town and they're going ahead. They're building more of everything for their for their people. Right, and, they, and it's it's not like it's not like if you even if you were in Valley Cliff. I mean, it's a it's a ten maybe fifteen minute drive from here to Brackendale. It's not like it's a huge commute. If you yeah, now, sprawl let, is not an issue in Squamish. Right. <laughs> um, now let's talk about talking about festivals. Let's talk about the Eagle Festival because that actually draws people not just from Valley Cliff or downtown Squamish. It brings people up from all over the Lower Mainland, as far as I understand. I think even international tourists come up for the Eagle Festival. Well, there's buses that pull up and up by not so much anymore. Um, I think I think the Eagle Festival has actually become more of a community event than. It, than it used to be. It used to be that we were had enough people coming from everywhere to uh, uh, you know to be open all week long during during November, December, January, February. But we really don't do that anymore because there the you know there aren't that numbers of eagles anymore. The Eagle Festival has become more of a community event. Like we have Graham Fuller come up and talk and. 
We had Wade Davis come from Bowen Island. We've had um, Turner, Bob Turner from Bowen Island come and talk about these are all all people talking about or pre presenting documentaries usually and talking about it although Wade Davis talked for two hours and they wouldn't even let him take a break in the middle <laughs> <coughs> but uh, what, what I wanted to s what I was just thinking to say is that you know we we have just across the railway tracks we have a 56 acre not yet official but designated park space that regardless of what happens to Brackendale that space is designated by the district as park. And that's where the, the fall fair happens every year. Um, and this building, this uh, facility is adjacent to that park. And doesn't the community need a space like this adjacent to the park? A place that, that you know, where you can have those environmental speakers and documentaries presented and, and um, I, I often see, you know, the, 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 the new name of it being the Brackendale Arts and Nature Center because I think that's what it actually is right now. Right. And now, is with, there... With music. Well, yeah, there you go. Arts, We're covering arts, your, your arts covers yeah. that part. You're right. Um, there is... Okay, where are we? Is there a danger that... We've talked about a lot about what we'd like to see, but is there a danger that it is going to go to a commercial interest? Is, are we on a precipice? Well, right now we're we're actually not listed, um, and and we are um, open to many things. We would rather not sell it to a, a a private enterprise. So, yeah, we're kind of in a holding pattern at the moment to see what can happen. But you know, how long can you be in a holding pattern when you're 85? And uh, only Tor knows the answer to that Tor one. Only Tor knows the answer to that. He has to just keep going to his fitness classes. <laughs> <laughs> and and just let the record show that Tor has re reverted to his usual taciturn self and seems to be refusing to take the mic. But uh, but I think yeah. he's with us in spirit, nonetheless. Oh, he is. He's he's paying attention. Anyway, uh, I, I can vouch for his, his classes. I because my business is near the 55, and I see the truck parked in front, so I can vouch for him <laughs> actually going to his classes. He's not skipping out. Don't worry. Yeah, and that was Mark. And I wanted to mention that Marcus is here with us, but he's busy manning the the mixer and the soundboard because we've got such a big table, round table going on today. But does anyone else want to jump in on this? Anyone? We I think we got to wrap this up. But uh, any last words? Any last words? Nope. <laughs> I think I think the bottom line is that Tor and Doherty are going to do what they need to do, and we're standing on the sideline hoping that we can direct it in a particular direction. And that direction would be this angel investor. Maybe it's the district that ends up owning it and giving it to us to use. Who knows? Uh, but that's what we're working on and looking at, and we're examining all of those options. Uh, maybe a foundation will buy it. Maybe Barney Bentel will buy it. I mean, who knows? It, 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 could, be, it could be anybody. But if there has to be the commitment, what we want to see is that commitment to preserving this, what this thing has done for for Brackendale and Squamish culturally over time, you know, and and you know we've got this thing going now. It's the Save the Bag campaign, and it's all about trying to figure out the best way to do it. And if anybody's got an idea that says, "Hey, we could try this," or "We can," we've got we've had experience with a foundation, or you know, we've we've done a similar thing. I mean, 
who knows what yeah, could what, happen. What about Barney? He bought a Barney Benzel bought a, a ranch up in the Caribou, and I think he got sick of that. So maybe maybe he'd like to move to Brackendale. He plays here often enough. <laughs> well, I think he loves his ranch. Oh, is yeah. he still up there? I oh, thought yeah. he'd given up on the no, ranch. I think he, I think he's still up there. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, there's a whole bunch of stuff. We have a website that we're we're putting up called Save the Bag. That if people want to get in there and, and toss some information into the blog, we've got a Facebook page that we're setting up, and we're going to start a letter campaign just to show district exactly how much this place is valued. And the letters will be here, or you can pick them up from us online. You print it out, sign your name, and, and we'll collect them and, and take them in. I know that the, the district is reluctant to you know own something that's um, perhaps not kind of mainstream, but on the other hand, it's the only way that, that, that they can guarantee that we have something now in the Brackendale area. And it serves Squamish. I mean, people come in from Valley Cliff, as you said. So. Yeah. Tori, anything to add? Well, I feel sort of guilty. Um, Squamish has no, never, as Kathy mentioned, has never really grown in, in their own theater group, their own theater. And... Uh, we serve that purpose. We, I realize that in some ways we hemscored the growth of an um, art center in Squamish because we served the need. And uh, we hope to serve it longer by this Save the Bag right. situation. And, and you could argue that you did serve that need and you gave a break to the district where they didn't have to build the infrastructure to provide for those arts communities. And now you're sort of turning it around saying, well, we served the community for all these decades. So any way that you guys could step up to the bat and maybe, you know, take your turn at it. I see a lot of nodding heads. So I think we'll leave it at that. There's actually, there's actually a, a great little documentary being created as we speak about the Brackendale Art Gallery and the Brackendale community and Tor, a lot about Tor and, and his contribution. And um, it's like probably the perfect timing for that to come out for this purpose. I'm, I'm dying to show it to council. What, what is it called? <laughs> it's Right now it's called Brackendale, the Art Gallery in the Woods. I think that's what it's called. There's a little trailer on Facebook. YouTube. And on pe YouTube. people can find the trailer on YouTube, and you need to Google Brackendale, Brackendale Art Gallery in the Woods. Art Gallery in the Woods. I think it's just called Art Gallery in the okay. Woods. Okay, Google Art Gallery in the Woods to find the trailer for the, the documentary about the Brackendale Art Gallery. And I think with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, if you haven't been to the Brackendale Art Gallery, I guess I'm going to say what I, I imagine Tor would say, what the hell's the matter with you? So get out here. We've got the paper boys coming up. They are here. What's the date? The thirty-first, um, like tomorrow. And then and then we followed up in April. We have um, the Bluesberry Jam, um, and, the big band's and the big band at the end of the month. So that's a pretty. So they have the Brackendale Art Gallery, and the Cedar Sky Singers are doing their concert here. Right, so the Brackendale Art Gallery, the bag, they have their own website, so you can find that online, find out what's going on, get up here, enjoy it before, let's hope not, but let, before it's gone, 
and and you know and also support the bag so that it's not gone. And with that, I'm going to thank uh, Kathy Daniels, Carolyn Grass. You are. I'm afraid to pronounce your last name. Zalubniak. Zalubniak, and Tor and Doherty Froslev. Much better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I finally got it right after all these years. Thanks for making. Thanks for making this opportunity available for us. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. Let's Thanks. Do a follow up later. We will. We will follow up on this to be sure. That will be definitely another installment of the Sea to Sky podcast. But for now, we are signing off. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on.